garden rules when you're here, your family. Maybe there's unlimited breadsticks and salad. There isn't. Um, yeah, we're here tonight with Jared Hoffman. We're going to get right into it because he's chomping at the bit. Yeah. Do you want to... Here's what I want, actually. Can you explain your background a little bit? Because I learned a little... We know each other from Spring Break in LA, which our listeners know we've talked about me having gone there. And we talked a little bit while we were there. But you have a different background than a lot of artists, right? Yeah, I didn't go to art school. Yeah. That's the first thing. I studied like information science at Cornell, actually. So I was like a normie tech kind of like interested in entrepreneurship and like startups and stuff like that. And and then I just didn't like that world. And then I, I just liked art. And I was like, let's, I just ended up, I was kind of burnt out, like after high school, even like, even when I got to college, I was already burnt out. And so I just ended up making art, painting. I was painting for a long time. I started as a painter, but I really, I don't paint. I barely paint anymore with paint. Right, and like the work you know, of yours that I saw was mostly like holograms that you make yeah. with a little bit of paint on them, but that's not the primary. Yeah. So yeah, like I think about four years ago, I quit my job. I was working as a lighting designer, and I I quit to work on art full time, and I started making these holographic prints, um, and that became my main practice and became my main medium and has been for the last four years and like feel like I really got pretty far with that to the point where I was like these are good paintings like these are operating as paintings yeah and they're they're the material for for the listeners is is called a lenticular lens and basically it's the stuff that you would find like on the on the front of a dvd where if you like flip you like uh tilt it left and right it has that like animated 3d it's effect the charizard card of of printing processes exactly right. yes yeah. <laughs> and so i'm i'm making like giant holographic charizard paintings uh unfortunately i mean i probably should like introduce some charizard in there it wouldn't be I, bad i don't think you can ever like escape you know that kind of like poppy world with yeah. that material agreed, agreed you know and i'm not really trying to like i i i'm into the kitsch right yeah. Yeah. yeah there was a pokemon in one of them right? yeah, yeah yeah one of the ones from spring break had one yeah yeah but i honestly like have kind of stopped even with that um because i've just gotten sucked into this like posting memes digital art and and nfts and all of that stuff and so I'm not I'm right now I'm in like a conceptual phase of my art career where I'm just like I don't want to make anything I just want to try to figure out what the next thing is what does that mean what the next thing is well I just I mean that's how I with regards to painting you know like it feels like a lot of the painting that I have have was seeing over the last three four years in galleries is like it's just not new you know what i mean it's like figurative or it's like we went back to smushy yeah yeah and it's like okay but like we've definitely been here before like if you i'm I'm thinking of like is this guy's name peter saul is that the right yeah, but yeah he's, he's 900 years old he's a dinosaur it's but okay. that's what i'm saying like that but that guy is like kill would like kill today you know like if he was like 25 making those paintings people would be like whoa this is like amazing because that's basically well, he'd show it the hole which hmm, hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, well, we've talked about this a lot lately because Jasper John's uh, big show at the Whitney was just up. Did you see it? No. He had a big double retrospective at the Whitney and at the Philadelphia Museum. And I'm like a huge Jasper John's fan. Will's a fan, too. And like he's in his 90s. And he's making like some of the best contemporary painting around right now. But it gets way passed over because he's an old man. And because he's like in the canon, people are like, ah, kind of whatever to yeah, that. Yeah. And I think Peter Saul's kind of another example where like he's still a great painter, but just young people rip him off now or whatever. Yeah. Like if that's what you mean. So when you're talking about like well, con- young younger contemporary artists, yeah. they're just going around the canon and tweaking it a little exactly. bit and that's kind of it well if yeah. you're jamie and you just become his friend and then you can steal from him all the time sure well and jamie's a great painter like i'm not ta- i don't want to take anything away from like the people who are doing well in the art world right now i just don't see anything in the like gallery art world i haven't seen anything that is like avant-garde to me yeah i and, agree and the only and so but then i found that was on the internet you know right. and like these just like these deep internet holes these like weird fucking internet people and that's that's what and once i felt that i was like dude i just gotta like forget painting for now let me kind of try to understand what what that is and then maybe that'll like um end up filtering back into painting right and it kind of seems like with artists that are internet inspired or like their work exists virtually for the most part when you end up making an object in the end it just seems like a byproduct of the practice it almost doesn't have it doesn't have the vibe of traditional art in its own right it's something to sell in physical space right like that can sound cynical but it like i feel like that is the truth i find it very cynical yeah Yeah. i and stupid like just don't vacuum seal a taco bell taco and put a lock through it it's really a bad idea i gotta say i mean that sounds i'm I'm interested is that what was that brad already did it it's fine yeah 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 yeah. now it's a jogging he follows my meme account so i mean that's a you can chalk that in the win category yeah Yeah, no i you know know what's crazy my meme account is like small but not that small anymore i started like six months ago and petra courtright follows it chloe wise brad trammell like all of these like people who I really look up to as far as like net artists or like kind of new age contemporary artists. And there's like a bunch of them that follow my memes. So I'm like, yes, I'm like inspiring them, you know? No, that's sort of. And I I checked it out the other night and like, you're on the verge of a one K, right? Yeah. Which is not nothing in that short of uh, amount of time. I mean, it just, yeah. And it's honest, it's like, I don't really want to be a big meme account. Like it's better to be a small meme account because you don't, there's no pressure. Right, right, right. So, you know, you can just say whatever you want to say. But it's harder to monetize. I don't want to monetize. Yeah. So that's not. You don't. Yeah. You sure you don't want to sell like stamps.com on or what? What are <laughs> right. the, I feel like there was one. Uh, that, what's the MailChimp? Was there a MailChimp <laughs> meme one? Oh, fuck. I mean, that I mean, that head is like how different is the MailChimp with the hat from like a bored ape? But that, you know, yeah. he's delivering mail. So I guess he's not bored. I don't know. This is the length of internet that I understand, so you know, count me out. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an expert. I don't think there's pe- many people are monetizing their meme accounts. To be honest, uh, there's probably a few, but I. It's not like a big thing. I don't think. Fair. Well, and I think I think you lose your clout status. Too. Yeah. If you become like worst Instagram account, you know that one. No. It's what? a very p- 
popular meme account, it posts this, you know, it posts the same thing from the Red Scare Pod subreddit that everyone else does. Okay. But it has wow. a million followers, so every once in a while there's like a sponsored meme on there. And it is like what Will's saying, like a Taco Bell Wojak or whatever. To fuck, what? you know. And, but but, come on, you have no you have no credibility, especially no. in an artistic realm that exists on the internet. Once you cross that line, totally, yeah. totally. It's interesting, kind of, that that elitism still exists, but it does. It's a different. There's a different, uh, like, dividing line between what counts as art and what doesn't count as art as the traditional art world. But there's definitely a line, and people are willing to judge. I mean, yeah, I'm, the J word is, is my favorite, like, renewed word as of right now because that that's the fear in any sort of critical thing of, like, judgment. But I'm like, mm, I think in, like, net netty things, being judgy in the, like, uh, kind of like the punk sellout-y kind of thing, like, this is what, I mean, in terms of, like, the monetization, like, you can't reach a threshold and then just be like, share a Pepsi with pepe yeah you know like that's just not a thing like it just takes honestly, away that from your authenticity me, it's not i mean i is think it this though? it is because okay and because there's other options now secure so you, the bag man no I mean, but that you don't secure it by going to a giant company and getting advertisements secure it by selling nfts like hmm. make an art collection release it to the public find some collectors that are willing to give you money for that secure the back but don't compromise your artistic sensibility and don't deal with those corporations because they ne they never had your best interests at heart and they never will and there's just no point right. to like that's been tried like there's i like that's how that's sort of my i got so jaded with like the art world and like what I could do from like a freelance perspective as an artist because it was like okay you can do like brand activations you know, and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get paid like very little to do a lot of creative work that's going to get like restricted and smashed into this kind of corporate smooth thing. It's going to get cameled, you know, for $8,000. Yeah. Maybe if they pay on time. I would love that. I mean, yeah, but I never even really got those types of checks for doing that sort of work. It was like just, I don't know, maybe I'm not very good at negotiating my freelance stuff, but... You gotta get 10k at least. I don't know. What I you're know. Talking about. You need 10k. But I'm just, I'm just. We saying, don't, we like, don't do free work. It's yeah, 10k. I know. But it's always it's like 10k. Hard, you know, you're just like a young artist, and you just want to do work, and people are like no one wants to pay you. The joy, Sucks. the joy of art though, is that you can just name your own price. Generally, you're like, yeah, that's around this. Well, no, that's not. I mean, eh. that's not true at all. Like, there's real logistics to it. Like, I, I was complaining at one point because I sold a couple of the works from the booth and nice. at spring break, but I still lost money. Really? Yeah, because yeah. you underpriced. I mean, you know, because the the trip out there costs money, the rental car costs money, shipping the work, you know, packing yeah. it, all of this shit costs money. And in order to sell it, you have to price it a certain way. You go $1,000 too high, yeah, maybe you'll make your money back, but no one's interested all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Also, you have to factor in the discounts that you automatically have to give. Right. The people don't want to pay for a frame. Like, I, I'm not, I, I don't mean to sound ungrateful because it's a wonderful, like, gratifying thing to have happened just like spiritually. But monetarily, I mean, you're still shut out, even selling things, yeah. you know? Somebody else gets a cut. The fair takes a cut. It yeah. like really whittles down fast. And as much as I tried to factor all that stuff in, it's still break even at yeah. best. You know? Yeah. 
That's just how it is for a long time until you cross the Rubicon into rich somehow. Right. That's what it seems to me. Well, yeah, but it's like 99% of artists are in this break even at best stage. Right. And then 1% can become like moderately wealthy and then you know, 0.1% can be rich. Yeah, the stars. Yeah, right. Um, but I want to talk about the NFT thing. Let's go okay. back to that for a second. Because right. what do you make of the uh the jack dorsey tweet nft that lost 99 percent of its value (laughs) yeah i mean i historical nfts hold very little weight uh in auction and because they haven't really made much of an influence on the art uh, the trajectory of art history so why would that tweet be worth anything more than 300 bucks somebody made a mistake by spending three million dollars on it and and you know that's going to be, I think, the similar thing will get said about Bored Apes and a lot of other yeah. collections that right now you can sell something for $400,000, but in a few years, maybe it'll be worth $4,000. Right. Um, it's just kind of like a Ponzi scheme or a, it's just like a, a hyperinflated market. Um, but there are some projects, and the Avant NFTs in particular, um, that to me will have the type of impact on the art world that will make them really valuable in the long term because they're, they're, ch- they're going to change art, the, the world of art. What distinguishes the more popular things like stoned apes or like Beeple from Avant NFT? Well, the first thing is just the popularity. Like those big collections are mainstream and it's like listening to like pop music versus like experimental, you know? And, um, the Avant NFTs, they're made by real artists. I mean, that's the main difference. Like, I'm not, I don't know, Beeple, I don't really know enough about him to really comment, but he doesn't strike me really as a an artist so much as like a craftsman, you know? Like, yeah. he's like a producer and he's really good at that, but he doesn't like have a perspective necessarily or like do much with, um, like that would put him in an art historical context. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't really know that much about his work. No, I mean, I, but, I knowing also very little about people, I would say that you're right. I mean, you can just look at the images that he makes, and it's like it's yeah. they're they're pretty heavy handed like metaphors for like techno dystopia and, exactly. and sex. They're like bad HR Geiger mixed with like I don't know retro sci fi. I guess Geiger's right. Yeah, sci-fi, so it's just yeah, there's you know. not that it's not very deep. No, is what no, I'm there's saying. There's nothing. To it's it. like who's the guy who runs Pioneer Works? Dustin Yellen. Yeah. I equate Beeple and Dustin Yellen to be the same thing of like, we're talking about humanity. I'm like, my friend, right. that is just smushies in between glass making a, a dead figure person. And it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't the bag. I'm so, this is not, yeah. no. Um, you but know. Yeah. So it's just, a, it's like the depth of the piece, you know, and how much you can really get from it upon re, revisiting the piece again and again and again and does it continue to sort of give and grow and change and um if it does then i think it's art right you know yeah like i mean i i I, to be clear like i ask about this kind of stuff not as a gotcha but as as that is everyone's context for nft totally it's got terrible pr yeah exactly terrible and it's and it's a real turnoff like i'm sure you must understand that oh it is i mean i'm so, I mean, the Miladies, this is like the best NFT project like in history. It's 
M-I-L-A-D-Y, Milady. It's made by a guy named Charlotte Fang, who is like Andy Warhol. And he's like 22 or something and autistic. And like no one knows even where he's located. But he is so like his thinking is so like six dimensional about art, money, technology, community, value, economics that like the what he makes is a like seed that is planted and then the whole world just seems to like it just starts to grow and grow and grow and grow and it has this like mimetic nature to it that gives people like individual people the control over the whole project so it's this like he's like a dj or something where he's like playing for a crowd you know and he like makes these things that people just dance to and and like i'm one of the dancers essentially like i'm in the audience you know i just found this project and was like huh I can't tell you exactly why, but I just want one and I like have to be a part of this. What form do they actually take? Like, what do they look like? They're like these little anime girls, basically. And some of them are like have short hair and they're. You're describing like the Malay brats online, though. But yeah, yeah. It's, kind it's of a like little a bit in that like image culture of like you got you got some glamour girls sprites. Like there was a, yes. a moment in. OK, so remember fact so in the early late 1999s you could get these little like 16-bit like look like pre-brats images that were like christina Brittany. yeah and it would be that like 16-bit ish kind of like giant lips swoopy hair and like the one like screenshot of a, the milady from the yeah. substack i was like oh <gasps> Oh, this is unlocking a terrible memory for me. Oh, no. So there's like a nostalgia element of it that I said, oh, no, we locked that away. And I put that back in the ground. Well, so then I lit it on fire. There's clearly like an appropriation of those aesthetics. Right. Like early 2000s, late 90s, like Web 1.0 era, 9-11 era aesthetics. And then like, but then the sensibility is this like skitzed out like those Bratz dolls, these miladies, everybody photoshops them with AK-47s and like cutting the heads off of bored apes and like in photoshops them in these Renaissance paintings, photoshops them in like Evangelion and la- Experimental Lane, um, like anime. And so it's just like, it's this whole world of like occultism and esotericism that the miladies like, is is right at the heart of and so like it look it's like you have this like really base aesthetic of like the Bratz dolls that like anyone would just be like okay like that's like who cares you know like that's I've seen that a million times combined with this like really far out philosophical radical thinking and that's what makes it a kind of interesting space and project well it's interesting when you say that like the person that started this off i forget the proper name but the primary person behind milady yeah charlie fang charlie fang is 22 i you might be younger than that even. or younger yeah, like yeah. it's interesting that a, a a zoomer or would that even be beyond zoomer now i mean he's young yeah so, somebody that young that has 
this nostalgia for an era they didn't experience. Like totally. 9-11 is history to them in a way that it's not to us, you know? Yeah. Um, it's still live in our minds in a way it can't be for them. Yeah. And then they are appliquing on like when you say skits out, like it's sort of literal, right? Like m- mental illness and being online your entire life, like their brains yeah. are wired completely differently than those of us that remember before that. You Probably. Know? Yeah. I think absolutely. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think for how old are you, Jared? I'm 29. You're tw- you're a little younger than both of us, but I think it's probably somewhat true of you, at least. Like, for elder millennials, um, we have a unique position because we're the last that I remember. Basically, yeah. You know? And yeah. so it, it's always interesting to, like, survey this line between, especially in art, that, that really comes down hard between, like, basically an elitist traditionalism and then this new strain among the youth that is totally virtual. Yeah. You know, and trying to evaluate their nostalgia or like their mental architecture is hard as, as, as I, as I'm sure it must be for them against us. Like, can you really inhabit the brain of someone that was born in 1945? Like, no, probably not. Yeah. And, and I think because it, because everything is accelerating so quickly, like it's even easier for us to relate to our grandparents than it is for a 22-year-old to relate to a 33-year-old. I mean, it's crazy how quickly the generations are changing now because like, it's true that if you hang out with a 22-year-old, it's like they look, they're like from another planet. They're my employees. And I go, what? What are you looking at? And they're like, TikToks of stupid things. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. And I walk away. Well, and to some extent, that's always, like, just attributable to youth and, like, not understanding trends or whatever. But I do think there's something deeper than that that's, like, psychic. That there's there's an evolutionary component to it that's fundamentally different than uh, a boomer to a millennial. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a big generational gap. Um, But the Zoomers, the young people, people under 25 today have a very different aesthetic sensibility and it's very clear you know it's like they have a perspective in a way that is very much a revolt against the like millennial like flat design and uh i i I find it really fun oh my god anything's more fun than corporate yeah like that's Yeah. yeah like if that that was the ultimate millennial aesthetic was like pastel teal yeah. And like sans serif font. Get your Casper mattress and we're going to yeah. get you some parachute sheets. <laughs> you know. Ugh. It's like, yeah, like, please fucking kill me. Like, th- enough already. Like, it's just You're not. sad. We, we got capsule. It's going to deliver your prescriptions for your depression. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Well, I, you know, it's it's interesting, like. It's interesting to talk to you as somebody that takes this stuff seriously because like yeah, I have to yeah. admit that it's really difficult for me to do that. And I think it's difficult especially um for like committed artists that went through and like got their MFA and have all this debt and are downwardly mobile now to be like to resist the resentment of like this must be bullshit because right. it looks different from what I was told was good and I don't understand it. Yeah. You know, I try I try to be self-aware in that that like it's mostly my problem, but it's really difficult because there there is a lot of like um there is a lot encoded in it that's hard to untangle. Like yes, where do you yes. begin, you know? And like I can read Nick Land. Sure. And like try to get through it that way. 
but I mean, that's it's not one. How, it's one part of it. That's but, one vector, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we were talking about angelicism a little bit earlier. Like I've I've wrote a little bit about this this person entity, um, this like anonymous writer who's having a lot of influence on the new art scene. And when I first came across this scene was through listening to this wet brain podcast was about six months ago, right? When that podcast started and it was so incomprehensible to me that I just like, I didn't get any of it, you know? And that was like a puzzle to me, like a, a challenge that I was like, this is crazy. How are all these people like laughing at all these inside jokes? They've got all this language and all of these symbols and like, I don't understand. I don't know the first, I don't know any of them. It's like weird to me. Like it's like this alternate universe or something. And then, so I started like digging and doing the, you know, the like internet sleuthing. And there was like, I think it was an angelicism post, but it might've been someone else, another writer in that group on Substack, and like they, there was this picture and it's like I think it's like that picture of Shinji with his head down from Evangelion and he's like in a chair just like holding his head and it's like that moment in the show where like his thoughts are just like exploding and he's having like all these crazy like um like negative self-talk basically like you can't do it Shinji or you're you'll never be good enough or whatever and it's like there's like all these words and there's like retard list and jealousism, honored levy, like skitzed out, Romilia, like uh, fucking Alex Beanstalk, like all these people, this like New York downtown people and like all these these words. And there and somebody had made a post saying this picture tells you everything you need to know about the new art. It also tells you absolutely nothing. And I was but, say that. Yes, gotta but okay, that. so that's, but hold on, that paradox, that if all of these things are the new art, and yet none of them have any historical relevancy, like, what does that even mean? You know, like... About historical relevancy, it's just more so about, like, you know, if the if even identities or words that are in this kind of like exploded diagram are like signs pointing towards some, something, do they point at anything, or are you just like, is it like a wily e. coyote like turning the sign, like spinning the sign around so you get Roadrunner into wall? Um, I think I'm I'm just like ooh, that's I, not we, knowing this particular image. They absolutely do point to something. Like some well, of those, they point to of. they point to accounts. They point to yes. a sensibility at, at the very least. You could make an argument that that's too vague to it's qualify. It's a map. Right. That's what yeah, I mean. It's, yeah. a map. it's a map. It's a map. Right? So does a map mean anything? No. It's just a diagram. Right. The, the meaning is when you start to explore that terrain. Right. The map that's of the territory. Mean, yeah. yeah. That's what it, so, yeah. so this what they were getting at with this is, hey, you want to you understand the new art? Here's a map. Good luck. Okay. Right. That's yeah. all you need to know. Like, don't, no one's going to spoon feed this to you. Right. Because by, that's part of the design. It's a game. It's a adventure game and it's on the internet and it's there, but you can't Google it. Right. The right. answer is not Googleable. That's fascinating because oh, that, that that lends a lot of credibility to whatever this project is in my mind because that's a that's a thing that's hard to do 
there is a there is a deliberate like intentionality behind that. There there is no way to accidentally make something ungoogleable. Correct. Right. That's what that's what I mean when I say it's it's terrible. It means that we have become so like soft headed that we're like, wait, you can't Google it. What do you but mean? I that's wh- I, I really have to Google it. I don't have to have knowledge. Thank you so much. Yep. Right. And but that's what's exciting about it is is that okay. Uh what does that mean? Something that can't be Googled. And what does it say about us, like societally, that we had we thought that that didn't exist for a moment? Right. Right. Everything can be Googled. Every answer is merely seconds away. Uh, right. Is is a fallacy. It's ridiculous. So we're saying Ask Jeeves is going to have a raging comeback. <laughs> <laughs> He's got all the answers. Yeah. I swear to God, he better. Oh, that son of a bitch. Well, you know, this is occurring to me in real time, so it's probably going to be kind of inarticulate. But what's interesting about that to me is that the mistake we were making is that we could have, we could effectively map the entire universe and never really have to worry about anything again. But that's a that's depriving yourself of your humanity. Like whatever there is that we call a soul or like a spirit, like the undiscovered, we abandoned it temporarily. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the, the this community of artists is attempting to recover like some version of that. Yep. But there's there's like a contradiction in that in it on the surface where you're like, how can it just exist on the internet? Do humans actually just exist there now? Uh, yeah. Are we doing an inverted thing where now we're abandoning the real world? It's not a question of, we thought everything was Googleable, but maybe we don't, we don't exist in a corporeal sense anymore. That's not where the soul resides. Oof. That's, I don't know. It's a big, that's a little heavy. Can you calm down? I feel like what you're maybe, maybe is a little more accurate is that, you know, the, the old saying, curiosity killed the cat i think the cat being google and any sort of like ai thing that kind of helps you make decisions killed your sense of curiosity and it's not about necessarily you know the way that that this is being framed it's not necessarily about you losing your humanity or your soul don't be melodramatic it's a bit much for a friday afternoon (laughs) um but like you know yeah if you don't have to think for yourself and be like i don't know just fucking google it like yeah. yeah, you aren't you're being totally. more incurious than a lot of people are are that way. That's that's a baseline I think that's agreeable upon by all. And we you know, we've been conditioned by the way that we use technology to not be curious and ju- to just accept it. Yeah. To get the answer and move on. Instead of doing the third trip down the Wikipedia link to be like the why, the why, the why. Right. You already do that with the Wikipedia clicking, so that's second nature to you. I go, give me the Wikipedia What? I'm not reading the Wikipedia. Give me the Sienna What's yeah. something that aggregates something faster? I look at the fucking Google News on the front page. Don't ask me. <laughs> like Apple <laughs> well, News, and that sounds fine. great. That seems good enough. Yeah, but well, I think it's part of like a bigger um, ideology and conditioning that has us believing that, yeah, like you say, killed curiosity, and it actually suggests like the Amazon, Google, Facebook, Netflix monopoly or not monopoly but you know attention monopoly sounds attention monopoly between these these giant tech companies has a stranglehold on everything and what they would love to do is to keep that and so what they do is they kind of like they're they're closing up 
the boundaries of existence so that you so that everything you need is right here. You got your entertainment, you know, whatever your impulse is, you go on Amazon. I need a sponge. Boom. Amazon sponge order at my door. Done. I can stay on my couch and keep watching the Netflix. And it's just this cycle. And and so it's like the they 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 feel great about that, right? Because they're making so much money controlling everything. And and but yeah, like the, it feels as though like the the ultimate effect of that is that people like actually do get satisfied with it, and they're like, "This is it. This is life. Right. Very happy. No problems here." Meanwhile, you know, like just beyond the window is like climate change and political collapse and like inequality and all of these things, racism, whatever, healthcare going crazy, like all the things we know are happening, but like we'd prefer not to like confront them. And, you know, it's just this like really like um, combustible situation basically. And like the art world artists were for the last five years doing nothing to address this situation. I'm sorry. They're just like, if you're just posting your stuff on Instagram, you're using Facebook to like, essentially like prop you up and we didn't have a choice i mean there was no other way to get your shit out there you know sure. but but um and well t- and, and tumblr took away porn so that was not a viable option <laughs> right. anymore so yeah and and i mean i think i think worse yet when it comes to the art world you basically have um a sycophantic set of wannabe elites that end up reinforcing like destructive liberal values that reinforce like the tech oligopoly yeah um the money's green yeah sure. right yeah and the, the, the over the overton window it, of acceptable like discourse in the same sense that the tech companies control that in terms of everything like they control the overton window on existence and then artists who are supposed to be um at least in like the modernist sense like a revolutionary or like emancipatory voice have closed the window on themselves to get in because of this downward mobility caused yeah. by all these other factors to yeah. get into the club, they've shut art out even farther. Like yeah, yeah. I, I, we always kind of talk about it in terms of like a new academia, like in the same sense that Bouguereau was an irrelevant painter. He's like an mm. academic painter from okay. the late 19th century compared to like a Van Gogh or a Gauguin. Like there was an Academy of art that shut out those two guys, right? The huh. Van Gogh and Gauguin types, but they were not selling anything, but really had all the potential and what was canonical at the time is nobody's ever heard of Bouguereau. Huh. What? You know. Don't go that far. I mean, again. Well, Jared hasn't. I mean, I, it's, I it's not a knock. Not, it's what? just, you know, like, if you're not, if you're not heavily if you're invested not, yeah. in art history. That's true. Have, people, you know, we've talked about it with people that listen to this. They don't fucking know what we're talking I about know, when we true. reference that. Right. Yeah. Like, it, it, but it's but it's a similar thing, you know. So yeah. I think when you see, like, artists on Instagram making, like, another yet another decorative abstract painting or yet another gay figurative painting, they're really just academic artists. They're not making art oh, yeah. with a capital A. Yeah, a lot of smushies. So much smushing. A lot of smushies, and I did smushy paintings, and I love them. I mean, it's a lot of fun to make. You know, it's enjoyable. It's aesthetically enjoyable, but I just like it. it it's so is an Oreo. Yeah, it's perfect design, and it's delicious. Totally. But like, well, that's, what's that do? That's I mean, why I will submit that you, maybe I was being melodramatic before, but like in the context of the last five minutes, I would submit that the stakes are pretty high. Yeah. 
So, you know, like, so if we're really going to have a conversation about like what, what the next phenomenon in art is that does have some sort of like legitimate content to it and where it's coming from, like it, yeah, it does matter. It is like a, it is a question of who's going to define humanity coming up and what that means. Right. (laughs) At least the aesthetics. Well, and for God's sake, like the aesthetics are, are like pretty low stakes all things considered like it's it's fun for us that we get to fuck around with that but on the internet aesthetics are really important like because when you take away your body and all you have is your eyes and your ears basically um and so that's it you just got aesthetics i mean that's your way of interacting with the world on the internet so um so it's really like everything and or it's it's important because um going back to the nft example there's a sport there's a board ape yacht club this is like the big nft collection it's worth a billion dollars altogether so it's a pretty big or a um enterprise for especially for something that had just started a year or two ago you know it would be like a, a unicorn startup um and about I don't know. Earlier this year, this uh, artist Ryder Rips, oh. uh, yeah, oh. who I'm not a fan of necessarily, but he did this research, and he found all of the similarities between Nazi imagery and the Board Ape Yacht Club, and it's really compelling. Like when you actually look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, they they used a lot of Nazi imagery in their in their collection. And in fact, the main logo of the Board Ape Yacht Club is like this skull pointing, you know, it's like angled 45 degrees to the right. And there's like text on top, text on bottom. And you put that shit side by side with like this like Luftwaffe logo. It's like this neo-Nazi logo. Identical, basically. And I mean, let me let me break this to you. In 2018, you ever go to a networking event where tech bros are talking to you about blockchain? It's kind of like being led to the camps, gotta say. Yeah. But you have a gin and tonic in <laughs> your hand and you're like, I need seven more of these, otherwise I'm not escaping alive. Right. But so <sighs> so all of these right-wing, kind of like libertarian, neo-anarchist, crypto people embedded a lot of aesthetics into the collections that are very popular. And like, what does it say about that community that they're like propping up these collections and but it, but these guys are, are the new kingmakers and so it's really important that not neo-nazis are not the ones who define the aesthetic sensibility of, of the next right. generation right. because that's not good so you know oh, nazis and patagonia vests oh no totally yeah we thought it was the bankers no it's the coders <sighs> Well, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm spinning out thinking like that is kind of an inversion from the way that I typically understand like culture and aesthetics operating in history. I feel like usually those things flow downstream of material reality. So like economic structures, the realm that then structures <clears throat> the aesthetic. Right. But now it seems like probably because there's less of a gap between the economic incentive and the aesthetics because there's it's frictionless there is no material right that there's more of a feedback between the two things totally like nazi propaganda only happens if uh 
the Weimar Republic collapses and Hitler comes to power, right? There is no there is no uh, Luftwaffe logo in in a without vacuum. the political reality yeah. first, right? Yeah, well, but now it's but now it seems like that that is either happening faster or it can kind of invert. I think they yeah they almost ha- they happen simultaneously yeah. now, um, and that's that's what I'm seeing a lot of where the aesthetics blow up right alongside the finances and the kind of ideological changes. Um, like I, I've came across this thing called dark MAGA recently it, heard of it. I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. You will. Unfortunately. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a American fascist KKK movement happening on the internet right. in these well, dark yeah. little rabbit holes, but no, it's, it's what the difference is. Aesthetics. MAGA looked kind of cheap and kitschy and stupid and it looked like ca- it looked like a, ca- a LARP, essentially. Well, Make America Great Again was stolen from Reagan. Yeah. It was exactly it, it, the same you thing. You know, and, and Trump's whole thing, he's not, you know, whatever. He's not an aesthetic genius. You know, he, he's... Everything got to be gold. Yeah, exactly. Right. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get the kind of nuances of how to push ideology via aesthetics. But this community of... MAGA like hardcore QAnon people is starting to figure it out and they are putting American symbols and they're like remixing them with cartoon culture and like um, just like fascist sort of energies like when you like you start using those like blacks and reds and those dark blues and reds and and you just you 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 cross pollinate this like religious um, like crusade imagery with guns and violence with with angelic like spiritual imagery with political stuff and you really start to get this like very clear sensibility that you can pick up just from seeing the image. And yeah, I like was in one of these like Twitter spaces. You know what those are? Like oh, it's God. like Clubhouse, but yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's like an audio chat room on Twitter, and it was a dark maga. It was like anon only, and I was like, "Ooh, what's this? Anon only?" Like, and I I, I went in there, and everybody had these pro these dark maga profile pictures, and it was chatterbait for fascists. Yeah. Title of that. It, it it was the most violent hate speech I've ever heard in my life and it wasn't even close it wasn't even close this was like listening to a KKK meeting wow yeah in 2022 I mean well the situation you're describing like not unlike you stumbling across that original angelicism image and being like what is this this map Imagine being a 19-year-old that's fully online, especially after COVID. That's, this is your life. Yeah. And you stumble upon that. Those are maps for them. Right. You might not recognize the aesthetic. You have no aesthetic education, right? You might not recognize the Third Reich references or whatever it is. But the moment you're interested in it, you're going to find out. Yeah. And, and if it you doesn't have, take that many clicks to get to that room. If, if you have parents that are like already Trump supporters... And like angry with the status quo. I would say and worse yet if you don't, because you're looking to rebel against. Something. Or yeah, if, you if you're looking to parents, rebel, you're gonna want to fucking piss them off. No, <laughs> your parents are your best friends. You're going to brunch. <laughs> you're not going to brunch with Tracy and the girls. You're going to brunch with mom. I'm I, going I mean, to brunch with mom for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love my mom. Ugh. Shout out to my mom. <laughs> 
I'm like a big mama's boy, I'll say. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I was just in a Nazi chat room. I love my mom. It's so true. It's okay. so true. The human experience is manifold. It's wild. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I mean, we. I think I said this a, a, a couple episodes back where I was like, oh, just wait for brutalism to come back in a big way. I mean, it's already here with the glass, the glass of modernity getting twisted and stupid shapes you just add a little more concrete or just do the black rock black glass and then you can be more insidious and it be it comes out of cartoon imagery of like mm. henchmen or you know evil villain layers of the right. super rich because it's very easy to paint like the super rich and then fill them with whoever villains you want when it has the same aesthetic of like uh like batman aesthetics but ba- batman's a bad guy because he's like you know he's one of the He's one of them. That's my best Alex Jones. Nice. <laughs> Where are my printouts? Oh my God. That's like Boss Nass from episode one more than Alex. Who? The Gungan, the fat Gungan King. Come on, guys. No, Never lost mind. On it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk about me like that. Good God. Oh, man. Um, What the fuck are we talking about? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so painting? No, 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 no. <laughs> no I want to. I want to talk about the dark stuff sailed. now. Oh God! Well, you know, like I learned recently that a lot of crypto uh, billionaires or you know people that have have wealth in crypto are now like directly buying elections. Um. Mm, yeah. They're I don't know. Maybe. in the same sense that any lobbying group yeah. does, right? But now they're in a position to finally do that. Lobbying is legal corruption. Yeah. Exactly. You can give millions of dollars legally and move positions of politicians of course i mean also duffel bags of cash who (laughs) yeah who wouldn't do that like give it if it's legal it's it's legal you're gonna do it there's nothing particular even if it's illegal people do it so if it's legal you're definitely gonna do it of course and there's nothing particularly unique about crypto people doing that but they have a different sensibility and ideology than other people yeah yeah for sure which so them entering the political landscape in like a really direct way given what was just talked about is is interesting to me it's not a monolith though i mean you have all these people that basically what brought them to crypto or like bitcoin in the first place is a kind of anti-establishment streak and so you've got a lot of people that for one one reason or another do not fuck with the current status quo and yeah there's a lot of like right-wing extremists but there's also a lot of left-wing extremists and there's people that probably don't fall neatly on any spectrum of left, right, and anarchists and philosophers, artists. And um, but the, the the thing I'll say about it, and it's like I hate I hate to to say this for people who would rather it, this not be the case, but it's coming for everyone because the technology is stunning and it's better than any technology in history. And so when, when, when the technology is simply better, it's a matter of time before it like eats the previous technologies. So worth it to like understand that whole world, even if you're like, oh, I don't like it. It's not no, good for the environment. I mean, five years ago, it was possible to say like, I don't really like using Zoom or video calls. I just don't have to yeah. do it. But you can't not do it now. Exactly. It's impossible. Exactly. So things like the metaverse or whatever are are Crypto going to come. Is coming man even if it's... that's a proto form that fails something along those lines yeah um 
But, you know, this is what's interesting about, like, blockchain stuff in particular, because the dream of that is that you could construct, like, a political system where you don't have to trust people. Well, you only have have to trust the other person you're dealing with. Right. You know, it's a one-on-one. It's like, I can send money to you, you can send money to me, we don't need a bank. Um, One of the takes that I've read through this digging and finding this new avant art scene is, like, that the, the implication of... Uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin is that the internet now has its own economy that doesn't have to operate in any country. And by virtue of its own economy and its own currency, the internet is now a nation. It's a sovereign state and uh, it you can live there. It has its own culture. It has its own art and it's got its own money. And uh, pretty soon people will be making whole livings on the internet without ever having to attach their names to the work that they do. They'll just be bounties that, Hey, I need somebody to go do this thing. And if you have the skills to do the thing, you can plug your uh, wallet in, accomplish the task, receive the money for the task and go about your day. And nobody ever needs to know your name. Right. So it's a, it's an, you have the ability to be anonymous on the internet um with with cryptocurrencies that that that's a big difference from all of human history as far as i can tell immediately my skepticism kicks in when i hear this line because does anybody really believe that the current powers that be will allow this to happen well you know what's funny is that it's happening right under their nose and they don't even realize it i mean they sort of do like i think some when you hear some people in power talk about cryptocurrencies they they get it but i i don't think they really get it not to the extent of like what's happening culturally what's happening in these like little art bubbles because it's I mean, nobody really gets this stuff yet right um but i i basically see it as like a you know it's just happening under everyone's noses but no one really fears it because they don't see it for what it is which is a new nation and um but yeah, it's gonna. I I I I'm hopeful in the sense that like, I don't see the current slate of nations around the world solving the uh, global problems, and so if the internet was to become like a a nation in itself, it could address global issues in a way that any individual country could not. I'm sympathetic to the idea that like current nation states are, are too like sclerotic and gerontocratic to like really address crypto or web three or this internet nation right now um but if it's ever a real threat to them well china's done it they've banned bitcoin mining and they're like really aggressive on it i think they've got a better handle on what's happening but the united states government is slow and generally has a has a very open perspective to new technologies such that it doesn't like to regulate new fields uh, for money making and so it's probably going to be pretty open in the West for quite a while. Um, at least it seems that way. Yeah, I don't know enough to know. I guess just historically I'm suspicious because, like, you know, you could say the same thing about the United States in the 19th century, that, like, it was a nation on the rise, and in retrospect that's, like, really, really, really obvious, but none of the European nations saw that until sure. World War One. you know? Yeah. It takes, like, a conflagration to really, like, make something important 
Yeah. And and I wonder what that kind of maybe there won't be a moment, but I wonder what that kind of continuum will I look think like. There will be. And I think the things will feed back on each other in a way that changes them both. So like the sort yeah. of libertarian dream of like uh peer to peer uh anonymous interaction, I don't think that's gonna survive intact. That would be my, yeah. my like amateurish prediction. And mm-hmm. and I don't know how that relates to like artistic trends yeah we should i'm should we stick to like trying to try to keep it on our i don't know i feel like we're we're falling into a very political but i don't think you can divorce them because this is about trade of images and trade of ideas so it all you know economy is everywhere whether it's uh, a visual language or money remember when it was easy and you could just buy bitcoin and buy drugs um I think you can still do that. You can still do that, but like that's all it was for. Um, the good old days of 2010. Um, well, it's funny because anybody that was, that was buying drugs with Bitcoin in 2010 and spent you know forty dollars, probably forty Bitcoin, on an eighth of weed. Boy, would if, really love that if, million dollars if, right now. We know some people. We know some people who had a little Bitcoin bank for drugs and are now rich um so you know god i wish um yeah but i like my local neighborhood dealer um so or did and that was a friend of a friend and i was like can you get it i have 40 dollars." yeah um but like you know back to the point like you can't talk about aesthetics and not talk about economies like yeah the whole history of art at least in the west is about the and even in even in these, like you, you can't divorce it from the trade of ideas. So economies, you know, art progresses in a way because of the spice trade and because of the Silk Road and things like that. Like there's a history of, of commodities trade that Mm -hmm. you can't divorce from art. So when you're talking about like a, uh, a kind of, um, decentered digital aesthetics, like you can't, truly take that out of the realm of the the politic like yeah because it's always going to be tied in some way totally um what does that mean i don't know but like if you have aesthetics of fascism uh creeping in it's because there is an attempt to kind of to want to control commodity like yeah money trade at some point for sure i don't think that's escapable escapable especially with you know world war two inflation problems Mm. is this fair does this make sense am i crazy sort of like what i hear you saying is that you just can't divorce uh aesthetics and art from finance finances and economic changes technical changes and political changes Econ from economy as a concept not necessarily financial things but um trade as an idea well, you like, can't divorce aesthetics okay, from that. Sure. I, like, here's an idea that I came across, uh, also attributable to Charlotte Fang, who's uh, the Milady guy, uh, that every inter- we could enter into a world where every interaction from a DM would be financialized. So it would be like a hyper-financialized internet where if I send you a question... And I, and I say, uh, Chris, um, can you tell me about abstract expressionism? And then I could put a 50 cent bounty on his response and say, if Chris responds in the next 12 hours, I'm going to pay him the 50 cents. 
If he doesn't, I'm not going to pay him the 50 cents. And then as Chris becomes a bigger and bigger uh, voice, his, his fees go up because there's more demand for his time. And so that's, the, that's like taking this idea of tying together financial markets with like art gestures, but also just gestures in general that like goes way beyond what we're currently experiencing. And um, there's something like actually sort of attractive about that because it feels like, well, why should all of my, you know, interactions like be for free, you know, especially if you're like actually giving out good information and so on. But then there's also that sort of like feeling of like, oh boy, like what, what would that mean? You know, we kind of already do this in businesses. If I get an email asking for a thing and I go, that's not my job. You are not paying me enough. I do right. not respond right. until someone else gets looped in or I get the, you figured that out already? Great. You didn't need to ask me. Bye-bye. Like, no, that's below my pay grade. We yeah. already do this socially. You know, yeah. Like, I think we do it in businesses, but like it's, we don't really do it personally. And like part of this, yeah, this idea is like, well, even the structure even of like businesses versus individuals is kind of breaking down. And we're just, you know, everyone is an actor in a giant economy and like you don't necessarily work for one company. Maybe you just do the thing that you do and you do it for a bunch of different entities or companies or I mean, these like NFT projects that are worth a billion dollars didn't even start. They don't start as companies, they start as projects, right, art right. projects. I mean, Remilia collective and the miladies that's a 60 million dollar asset class it was an art project it was started by an artist collective and within a year it's worth 60 million dollars i mean that's just not there's no historical analogy for this from artists that are creating these financial vehicles um and so i don't know man it's just it's wild it's really wild yeah i mean i think i think that's why i i end up always getting so political about it because I, I have a hard time imagining um, a fully commodified future as positive. Like I, I understand like the commodification of interaction, even to the extent that it exists in 2022 as like profoundly alienating and destructive yeah. to whatever my understanding is of being a person. It's very like the stakes are very existential. Yeah. Just, I get heated, like, you know, I, my my blood boils, like, thinking about it. And I don't know if that's just a pointless, like, Luddite attitude towards inevitable change or whatever, but um, I don't see it being good. Like, necessary fictions have to exist between people. Even if everything is transactional, even if you can map and categorize everything and financialize it, I don't think you should. I think I think that it's almost a religious point that like you need to you need to believe that there is a soul that's separate from the ability uh to categorize it even if that's not true yeah uh to me that's where art comes from is the untouchable the unobjectifiable and then you make an inarticulate effort to like put it into some kind of form mm-hmm. and the the like the cosmic yeah, aspect yeah. of it is that gap you're bridging <coughs> through material, one mind to another. That's a, that's the same thing as charging 50 cents for a question. 
on one level. I mean, mm, kind of, yeah. I mean, you're. I I hear you're saying like the inexpress, the inexpressed art is like very much. To me, actually, that's to me. I would say like a really true. You know, like yeah, it's expressing the inexpressed. How can you do that in a world where everything has a number attached to it, right? Well, what if your expression was valuable? Your your expression of something authentic, your art gesture, made you money. You could you could post and a really good expressive post that you just came up with, and you got paid for it. Sure, sure. And you sure. could buy dinner with that. I mean. What I'm promoting right but, now is like very cringe romanticism. But like, where I'm saying like whatever, whatever, whatever kind of, um, whatever kind of money value you put on it to me at the end of the day is always arbitrary. But it's but value money is the only value system that we really have to universally exchange value. Like, but. You we know? live in the attention economy. Like as much as like, yeah, we love getting paid, but um, thank you. Six Patreons. We love your $2. Um, <laughs> but like, thank you. Patreon. Patreon. Sure. Thank you. Guilty consciences. Um, but like, you know, I, I, to kind of like get maybe closer to your point is like, I think like the value is not necessarily like, cause you know, you've posted a bad painting. You're like, well, it's up. I don't want to get paid for that. I would rather have someone pay attention and think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't need the the money uh, to uh, change hands in order oh, for you to feel like the it's... validation of cash. Because yeah. then, you know, again, that you said the word actor, and I think that's a very specific kind of thing. An actor gets paid for their performance. I don't necessarily yeah. need to get paid to perform, to post, or pay, paid to produce content. The the payment in terms of attention and thoughtfulness and presentness it makes you more of an agent in someone's mind like i uh, you know but you i would love both. to but living rent free in someone else's brain is worth a little bit more than the like 78 cents well i that may be like. totally the case but you can get both you can get the 78 cents and live in their brain but like you know the what 78 I mean? cents it's but fine. right now the 78 cents is going to fucking mark zuckerberg and jeff bezos that's where who's taking all of the 78 cents it's right, not right. changing hands between you and the person whose idea or, or, or who is being influenced by your idea you guys are both losing money to mark Right, right, right. And that's where it, the whole thing breaks down because we're all feeding all of our energetic, our creativity, our expression onto this system. None of us are getting paid for it. We're all, and time. It's just like a purely a time thing. Like, how much time have we spent scrolling and being influenced by ideas? Like, okay, great. I've gotten influenced by a lot of good paintings and stuff, but I've lost a lot of time. Uh, I haven't been paid anything for that time. It's, you know. Right. That's exploitation at its raw. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think that this kind of utopic idea here is that uh, posting is art and art is valuable. And we should the, the value should go to the artist. It shouldn't go to some third party that happens to be hosting the the platform. Yeah. 
and so yeah like one of the extensions of of this of the new new internet art or whatever is posting is art and yeah it's like fucking every post you're making an art gesture and uh i think that's cool i like that Hmm. it's hard to accept it just is like from like from a from a conventional background having my brain wired in that way whether that was up to me or not like um it's a logical endpoint of like duchamp right yeah, that you that you end up with just a gesture is art every exactly. time, regardless of your in- intent or efforts or exactly whatever. That it, seems like a dead end to me. No, but it's, this is this like Dada idea, this like Duchamp idea of like a found object being art, and like why that being a really radical thing in the art world. Like what you can just pick an object up off the street and call it art and that's art and like it just expands the definition of what is art and i think this is the next like version of that where every time you interact with the network whether it's through an instagram post or tweet or comment or like or follow that is art and you should treat it as art which means do it with your soul do it with your heart do it with intention and poetry and don't do it as like, you know, like some throwaway garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like mindless a garbage. Thing to scroll by. Yeah, but and don't copy the way someone else does it. Do it your own way. I, w- I mean, but what like, what if it is just an index? What if a what if a post is just an index of like, <laughs> like, it's just a note. Like if that's how, know, if that's how you treat it, then maybe that is how it is, you know, for you or for for the people who experience that. Hmm. But there's there there's levels to it. Like certainly for someone like Elon Musk, posting is part of his business and part of his right. genius. Well, and that's he's, a strategy to pump and dump stocks, but that's sure. A but issue. this guy's making billions of dollars by posting very well. So clearly, yeah, Trump became the president. Yeah, Trump became president yeah, by yeah. posting. Yeah very well so clearly oh, there's yeah. a lot of right. uh oomph behind posting right if if you can get these sort of very material rewards from them um and there's no reason art can't also enter that um like i don't even know what to describe it as but that uh methodology where where posting yeah. has impact the idea that art should not post with impact is like a real abdication of where a lot of impact is happening. And so for artists to just go on and like basically completely sanitize their posting as just like, like a, they act like galleries, right? It's like a PDF. Like that's the ideal like artist. Instagram is basically a PDF from a gallery you're 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 giving up all of that potential impact of of real what could be really expressive provocative exciting stuff and and instead what you're conforming you get, to the standards of dying institutions yeah you get this yeah. fucking okay it's a pdf with pictures and but, titles but like in a in a time when you know image the image deluge is real right like how is the only way to make it worthwhile just by attaching a price tag. Like, cause I would say like, you know, it, it becomes a very like fatal. It's a kind of 
blind faith in the power of images and while yes that's true like you know you know for physical makers like there ain't nothing like the real thing right yeah like you know like i don't want to say like uh, it becomes i don't know i'm trying to form this into a, a cogent thought and it's my brain 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 buffer but like it takes a lot of like hubris to say that one image matters and uh, it can assign value even though it's you know unrelated to anything right you know because you know we are of the we are of the the stuff in the world I, yeah i think it's i think it's both really hubristic to say like one image matters and it's also really like godly to say one image matters it's just like saying every word matters or every moment matters it's like does it really you're just one person how much difference it becomes can you really a, make, an you know? iconography problem in the classical sense yeah of like building endless amounts of like, freaky pictures of jesus dude but that's, fucked up hands. that's literally the iconography is what's happening in the avant art they are making new gods they are making angels demons they're making a whole spiritual realm and they're making iconography of them just like the old Jesus paintings. And it's like, the tur it turns out that the method of glorifying a figure that was used for thousands of years, painting a picture of that figure, still is just as good today. So if you come up with right. a figure, if it's a bored ape, if it's a milady, if it's a fictional version of yourself or a mask that you kind of put on, or a character, or something, and then you iconographize it again and again and again. You meme it. It works. That's how it's Trump becoming president right. through the image of Trump, not the real right. guy. Yeah. That if you sat down with him, you'd go like, "Dude, I'm not sure that you know like the difference between Spain and Ukraine." Like, right. you really don't. Like, the person is an idiot, but the, the icon is in Ukraine very impactful. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just doing the the rain in Spain, but the rain in Ukraine falls mainly on the plane, but in the voice. Nice. I had to. <laughs> um, it was impossible. Mm, it's right there. No, you know, I, I think what makes it so difficult to talk about is the the lack right now of solidified institutions at a broad scale for this type of thing. Because if you're talking about like an iconography and, and a certain kind of spirituality to that, yeah, yeah. that you're creating, like it works for Trump and Elon Musk. They've gotten it at scale, right? They figured it out. For yeah, the, they cracked the code. For the art people, I wonder who's going to make, who's going to break that barrier. Not a lot of people are try even trying right. is what I'm saying. Yes. Like at the very least as a contemporary artist, I think you should try. You should at least open that door, see what lies on the other side of it. If it works for Trump and it works for Elon Musk it's you can't be too good for you as an artist right Yo, you know you make like, a compelling case like, like you're right just free yourself from whatever you think your persona should be on the internet and that's and like i was talking to the, i have a, a a close friend who's also sort of in this like she's the only person i know in real life who was aware of what the computer internet this like alternate avant art internet that and when I met her and immediately we discovered that about each other, I was like in love with her because I was like, oh, my God, like we can talk about this. Thank God I found one other person who's like knows what I'm talking about. And like there's all this weird stuff with angelicism and girls and like he it's a group of people most likely who does that 
um, it's uh, account yeah. and like all there's like a a thousand different clone accounts and so there's a lot of people that are contributing to that uh, that entity. It's a lot like intellectuals to use something more popular. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's associated with intellectuals. Yeah. Um, but she was telling me that angelicism wants people to fake their own deaths on social media that's actually like i know this is like a far out idea but there was this woman ciara horan this girl and i guess she was like a very popular poster in this uh her last name from the guy from one direction possibly so niall horan is this someone very young who's like my last name is his because it's giving it could it could be it's giving that level of username it's like this is like such deep lore that i don't even know i never have interacted with ciara horan i don't know anything about her it's just that angelicism uses her face all the time and talks about her constantly and i guess she is like some sort of like angel in this new pantheon and i guess the idea is that she faked her own death uh to escape the internet so it's like you and i guess maybe this is what's like angelicism is gonna promote at some point is for like girls in particular to fake their own deaths on social media without the nikes and the purple robes uh no definitely both you know just like add in nikes add in purple robes i mean yeah it's like very culty and like weird but like it just I had never heard of this idea of faking your own death on social media. So my friend tells me about it and I was like, huh, okay. And I just started to like think about it more and more. And like, it's a, it's a pretty provocative idea. I got to say as an art gesture, you know, like, well, you know, it does have a history. Andy Kaufman. I mean, Andy Kaufman talked about faking his death in his his entire life as huh. like his his final greatest artwork, and I think it's pretty evident that he didn't. But people still believe that he did. Well, he and he got that from Bassianotter. And there's sightings of Andy Kaufman alive to this day, supposedly. Huh. You know, um, it's it has less to do with social media or whatever. But but the but the idea that you would somehow um, break reality. Because right. that was the idea. It wasn't yeah. about him escaping reality himself. It was it was just making you question reality. Yeah. That was what all of his work was about. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, and I think that's that is the uh that's the deep core of the this next art movement is breaking reality. Anything that effectively breaks reality is highly sought after and valued in this in this world you know and that's why there's people that like went really hard on retard and really hard on gay and really hard on you know just like these like pushings pushing um uh, political what is it called political correctness um you know and trump himself is 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 oh he's the master the master of this kind of breaking reality with posting have you ever heard of the concept of stobe no um, you should read the book Everything Was Forever Until It Was No More. It's by a guy named Alexei Yerchek. It's about, um, he's a, he was an anthropologist, but it's about art in the late Soviet Union, so like in the late 70s and 80s, and a lot of it is performance art. But the idea mm-hmm. of Stobe was a post-ironic sensibility where you cannot identify whether someone is being sincere or whether they're being ironic. 
and I mean, I learned about this first from Red Scare. Okay. Uh, from Anna specifically. Okay. But uh, then I read the book, and it's great. I mean, um, hypernormalization, that sure. term comes from that book. Adam Curtis got it from that. So huh. the, the idea of this uh, unclear position yes. that then advocates an ethic underneath it. Like, if you can read the map and you can see through the uh, shotgun of sensibilities, you do come out with, like, an earnest ethical agenda at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah. In the Soviet case, it was like these really morbid pieces of performance that were um, a lot like jackass in some ways, just like deliberately provocative and stupid, but also like deeply satirical of the regime. Mm. You know, at, at the end, they were promoting emancipation, but they were all about dying. Right. You know? Yeah. It reminds me of like in, in Cuba, there was uh, like this movement called Los Freakies, and they were like HIV. Uh, it, it was like the HIV was just rampant in Cuba and the government wasn't doing anything about it. And there was like, you know, in general, this like punk scene happening at the same time. And so there was actually these punks that would inject themselves with HIV so that they could get sent to this like idyllic, um, like restoration rehab community by the ocean to like die and so it was like this really hardcore punk wow gesture yeah but they were you know they were protesting the inadequacy of 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 the government and they were yeah willing to die for it i guess yeah um but similar to your your way of kind of that's protesting exactly the, the regime you know yeah. yeah yeah that's even more extreme but yeah yeah sure i mean yeah, it's so, it's back to me of the stakes being so high, you know? Yeah. It's interesting that, like, angelicism would start to promote some something along these lines, even if it's just social media death. That's That really matters. I mean, I'm sure that happens um, with normies online all the time so they can leave their families or whatever. Right. In the same sense that Dad went out for a pack of cigarettes and changed his driver's license and never came back even, in the 20th century. That must be happening now. Even on the mild end, it's like when people use their middle name as their last name so no one finds the drunk pictures from college sure. while they're applying for jobs. Like, yeah. There's, you know, little 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 internet deaths all over the place of your former sure. version of yourself. Or social media accounts of people that are dead that act as like a kind mm -hmm. of memorial yeah. as a weird inversion. I mean, I always found that like so strange and creepy but people seem to really appreciate it mm -hmm. Remember? there is like a there is a strange like earnest spirituality between behind people like posting on some dead person's facebook wall remembering dan tranberg still likes you know thought pics on instagram and i want to know <laughs> who it is a professor of ours that died many years ago mm. his account is still active and someone goes and does that <laughs> yeah and i go huh <laughs> yeah the sensibility's still alive great Oh God! But yeah, were, were you going somewhere with that? I feel like I, I might have sidetracked you. With, I forget with with angelicism and the faking your and the faking your death thing. Well, I think we kind of got to the bottom of it yeah. as, as far as like the this like reality breaking art gestures. It's a very punk sensibility. It's Dada. It's Duchampian, and it reminds me of this video I watched called um, like. Oh, what was it called? Well, it's about, it was about cosmology. Um, and it's kind of academic video. And this guy was basically at one point he was saying, at what point do we start blowing up airports? At what point do we start blowing up 
oil refineries. Like, if the climate catastrophe continues and just things just keep getting worse, politics just keep failing to prevent fossil fuels from being burned and burned and burned, and we just continue to see environmental degradation, where is the line that people start to commit acts of protest that are violent? Yeah. And I think the precursor to that can be artists committing not violent acts, but acts that do this kind of reality puncturing that are so jarring to the average person that they really kind of wake people up and shake their realities a little bit. And I think that's kind of what maybe what's getting is, is bubbling up here. Like artists cannot stay on the sidelines right. for this whole thing. And, 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 um, and these, you know, this kind of like punk shit and like performance art, that's a way of like very quickly getting into the mix. Yeah. Um, not for everyone. And, and I don't think, you know, it's like, I'm not sure what that means like aesthetically or what it'll mean for painting or for the art world, but it is interesting to me and, and, you know, I love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it will mean anything for like relatively conventional art that will keep going its own way separate from this. Hopefully they can coexist. Like it's not a, it shouldn't be a combative relationship, but like punk and Dada aesthetics are not everybody's bag. Like you just sure, said. Sure. And like when you think about paintings, making the same kind of imp- having the same kind of impact potential that the reality shattering on the internet can have, they simply cannot have it. I mean, can you name a painting in history that ever did that? Maybe Guernica, maybe Raft of Jericho, but like even back when that was the pinnacle of technology of image creation Mm. they didn't have that kind of impact they just can't do that that's not what a painting is for like that's not that's not the area to look for that kind of radical like social transformation i don't think which is fine that's not a judgment i just think that's not its job its job is ineffability what is that however you you know like just like it's like that like you know the reason why you have thousands you know millions of tourists every year be like i gotta go see the mona lisa like what about that it's just some lady like you know it's painted fine but like what's the thing that isn't is unspeakable about witnessing that image and you know spending time with it this is a john the johnsian problem of like all i'm asking is that you you look you know and that's something that can't really be quantified in any measurable way so you're saying like it's not Paint- his job to blow up the world or, you know, Painting. do anything active. Yeah, it's it's meant to to be a point of reflection for people. For, it's for, it, to, it's to, a node. It's not active. It just is in the world. Mm-hmm. And that is enough for, you know, painting. Mm. Like, that's its job, is to be in the world because it doesn't need to exist. But it does. Mm-hmm. At least on my end, I'm like, eh, there it is. It had to be done. Right. Right. And ideally it, it focuses a viewer and makes them present where they are. Mm. But that's a very simple thing. Well, it's, yeah, that's, I think that's one way a painting can operate. But I, I, I I just, I guess I think painting and art to me, painting and art are almost synonymous. Like I know that's maybe there's like reasons not to believe that, but just for me, like, Painting is art and art is painting and sculpture is just 3D painting and performance is just 
acted out painting and movies are just moving sounding paintings you know like I don't know like I just see that's that's why like I consider myself a painter but I'm not doing any painting and I think that's totally fine and I think if I went in a really conceptual performance way I still would consider myself basically at a painter uh, to to make images that go out in the world that people respond to and and um, my yeah my hope is that or, or my interest is in pushing really hard against like the boundaries of uh, what what is painting and and that's why yeah, I can't really just like paint anymore. I feel like yeah, he's got to do something else. I think that happens to many many artists. Most most in fact, I think that m- maybe where I would come down is that I would make the distinction again, not as not as a question of judgment on you or any or uh, anybody else, but I do think painting is its own thing. Actually, mm. I think contemporary art is something else, and that painting in the conventional sense of basically working with colored mud and a surface it has fundamental properties that have a specific goal that's not broadly political or social even mm-hmm. can be but do- doesn't necessarily doesn't, doesn't have necessarily to have to be and and when you get and when you start to expand it that is fine but a new cat a new category and I don't know why I don't know why I feel that way. But like if that's the case and it's this thing that is aesthetic and visual but it's not political and it's then it's just financial. Right? Like that that's all it's for is for producing money and trading money and making a living and and it's beautiful, but it's beauty for finance's sake. Yeah, but but I mean, you know, the the example of Van Gogh to me is always a good one. Those paintings were made with, uh, they created no value in their time, no, mm-hmm. zero. I think he sold one. Um, now they're worth a hundred million dollars. But there's always a recency bias to like the financialization of art. You know? Yeah. Its present value doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. It de- it just depends how far you want to zoom out. Yeah. You know, like a cave painting doesn't have a value. Lascaux doesn't have a monetary value. It just doesn't have that. Right. And well, but if you could, I mean, they put that type of stuff in museums and, you know. Sure, you can always assign it one, but it's always right. beside the point. I think but we were kind of like, circling this Yeah, a few I don't know. Ago, we start you know? to getting really, like, I think this is really an interesting topic of, like, of, like, value. Like, what are people buying when they buy art? And why do they pay so much money for it? Why is it so valuable? You know? Uh, yeah, like I mean, the in the immediate in our era, the answer is obvious, right? Like it's it's tax sheltering, and they're sheltering money for other yeah. reasons. Yeah, like tax. Yeah, um, that's why. But the, is that is that is that actually equivalent to its value? You ask the same. Well, question the value, yeah, the way, the but. value is whatever someone will pay for it. What it's worth, or like that's there's the right there's like the offer. There's the value and there's the worth. Like, yeah. like, I don't know which one we should use for which, but maybe like the worth is like, okay, it's, this is how much you can sell it for. This is how much it's worth. But the value is something separate from that. And, you know, it's like, what's the value of a human life? Like we put it, you know, you, some, they'll have to do calculations like that in some legal contexts or some 
Right, like insurance hospital. adjusters do this every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, he's the cancer from the asbestos took 10 years off of his life. How much is that worth to the rest of the family, you know? Right. And so people are then put in a position of actually putting a monetary figure on, like, human life. And, yeah, it's made kind of a similar action when you put a value on, like, a painting because it's, like what like you can't do anything with it it's just a painting like you can't eat it so it's well and to use value in a different sense like i think there's a lot of value in being really clear-eyed about this that at the end of the day a human life does have a dollar value sorry everybody well it does and it doesn't it does because you need somebody needs to figure out how much payout is going to go to that family and at the exact same time there's no amount of money that you can give to someone to kill them or to that's that's should be illegal right and because it's you can't is unless you know you're in the mob and you can kind of do it it's okay but but yeah this is why we have humanistic thousand dollars it's not that much right (laughs) i mean that that there's human value human rights right right you know and part of that is that you can't kill someone for money even you know there's no amount of money that is worth a human life. What is interesting is the translation of those humanistic values into a virtual space that defines itself through its commodification of transaction. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that's that, a difficult challenge. Well, you, you I know? think you have to keep the two those two concepts really squarely as like a both and. People have value, interactions have value, art has value, everything can be monetized, every little ounce of your soul can be monetized, and at the very same time, no, it can't. You are worth everything in the world. Your soul is completely beyond money, and as, and you're worth more than however much someone would pay for you, and, and, and you have every right to protect that. And we all do, and we must, because it, the other option is that we all become a dollar figure. Yeah. And so that's, you know, where I think the spirituality comes back in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, um, we can wrap up if you want. We've gone pretty long. This is great, I though. feel like this is long, but yeah, I but mean, if we can... I, I, I mean, it's, it's fa- this has been a fascinating conversation for me because the inevitability of some kind of, like, techno-dystopia... Well, it's going to be a techno fiefdom, so you know there will be a price. And or you know what, I don't want to. Pu- I don't want to put a, a judgment on it. Over it's here. techno blank. Yes, the techno question mark. The inevitable march techno society. of the techno society. Yeah. Um. I always feel compelled to resist it, but like I feel like you've made a compelling case for, if it's coming, you can still have humanistic values within it. Yeah. Because we can't stop it. I mean, you can't go right. Ted K mode. Like all of this business, it's like it's too late. Yeah. The surveillance state has gone too far. This is ne- that's that right. that is never going to happen. That's this is yeah. all that's all I'm trying to say. Uh that through my art and through my being on this earth right now is exactly what you just said. You cannot stop this. Don't fight it. Find God. Find spirituality, network spirituality. God, angels, demons, whatever you want to call it, however you connect with that, find every moment in your life to be valuable and, and you know, every breath to count, every post to be an art gesture, every, you know, and like that's the path forward that makes the most sense given the fact that 
techno society is here. It's not just coming, it's here. And, you know, like, yeah, like, what choice do we have, essentially? Like, it seems to me we don't even have a choice. Like, we're Well, right. if you're a French farmer in the, in the multiverse of Welbeck, find a rocket launcher. That's your only way out. <laughs> to understand that, read serotonin. All right, man. Wait, what is the reference? Hold on. What did could tell Have me you read again? Michelle Welbeck's last book, no. Serotonin. Okay. You should no. read it. it Do is. you like right. Welbeck? I don't know. I don't know Welbeck. Oh, damn, oh. dude. You got you got you got to read some Michelle Welbeck. You have Welbeck. two things that you need to read and you'll be you'll be all set. Okay. I'll add it to my list for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Is it philosophy or No, no fiction. Oh, okay, okay. He's a, he's a friend he's a French writer that's like really obsessed with um there's basically the futures, decay yeah. of of western civilization specifically in france but he does a really good job of painting like near future scenes mm-hmm. cool yeah all right yeah doesn't end well just gotta say most of them don't end well <laughs> yeah. yeah they don't end great you don't feel great it's not a he's huh. not he's not hopeful like you are he's kicking against the pricks you know but, yeah but uh well he's french i mean i think it's i'm i'm like neutral you know i think it's i think there's gonna be a lot of uh bad shit too but i'm just an optimist you are yeah, yeah. it's great and well and it's great to hear because it's it's dude it's hard not to be blackpilled straight up is yeah well white pilled is the and i prefer clear pilled clear because pill. i don't th- i'm not i i white you know like we i think we got to disassociate white from positivity and and i think clear is a better way of of saying it so yeah I try to be clear pilled oh that's great man all right, Jared. Thank you. Thank this you. This has been awesome. Thank you, guys.